and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So we just finished off our series on, on uh, formation, and uh, I've got a few weeks that I can kind of preach on whatever I feel like preaching on. So uh, I just thought I'd pick someone out and just say, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I was just praying, and I just felt like God say, to dig a little deeper, to dig a little deeper, um, and not just talk about <clears throat> formational practices of Bible reading, prayer, you know, those sorts of things, fasting, Sabbath, and all those stuff that we will learn over the next period of time. But to look at what's below those things, what's undergirding those things, because the reality of formation in anything that you do with your spiritual formation, it's the one thing that it's about is intimacy with God. So uh, whether it be fasting, <clears throat> there's no point fasting if you're not seeking intimacy with God. Right, because the whole purpose of fasting is to pull yourself away from food and spend that time seeking Him. So the same becomes with the Word. There's there's not a lot of point reading the Bible if you don't want to connect with God of the Bible. Um, of course, the Word is important, but but it's more you want to have interaction with His Word, not just a head knowledge of His Word. Um, so prayer is the same. You can pray, but how tedious is to pray? Uh, and not connect, right? It's like having a conversation with somebody and they're not listening. How tedious is it to try and talk to somebody that isn't, there's, not, there's no connection? Um, so so the, the key and, and, and the point of, of, of spiritual formation is intimacy with God, that we would draw nearer and grow closer to God and become more like Jesus every day. Um, but, I, you know, I got thinking about this and, and a few weeks ago I preached on, on weakness, and that was part of this thinking of like, what undergirds these things, right? It's not just about spiritual practices, but what are the, the spiritual principles, if you like, underneath these things that give it substance and give it meaning and give it purpose? And so we're going to look at, in the next uh, three weeks, we're going to look at just a short series on um, formation. There it is. Foundational. I was going to call it formational. Uh, foundational truths. So we're going to look at what's beneath you. I want to bring the first one up, Zeke. So we're going to look at repentance today. Ooh, repentance. You don't hear a lot of people use that word anymore in the church. It's kind of like people don't like that word. I did hear once that they were trying to remove that word from the dictionary. Um, They wanted to get rid of the word repentance because of, you know, I guess what it implies, because you only need to repent, right, when you sin. So, so then repentance implies sin, and that must mean that I have sin in my life if I need to repent. Um, but repentance not a dirty word. It's actually a powerful word. It's actually a life-transforming word. We all had to repent when we come to Jesus. That's the starting point of our salvation, 
is to come to Him and repent of the sin that was in our, is in our lives and say, Lord, I receive you into my life. So repentance is a very important part of the Christian life. It's not a one-time event. It's not like, oh, I just repent when I met Jesus and now I don't. No, no, no. We met Jesus. The power of sin and death was broken. It doesn't have control over us. It doesn't master us anymore. But yet we still do sin. But sin comes out of more choice rather than our inability not to sin. So, so we make decisions in life that leads us in directions that lead us away from God. And sin basically is anything that's going to lead you away from God. It's going to separate your relationship. Sin is a wedge, a separator of relationship with God. And, uh, but it's also an opportunity. Sin is an opportunity in our life for repentance. And so when we talk about these things, we shouldn't feel condemned. We shouldn't even really feel heavy about it. We actually should embrace the conversation because I don't think we talk about it enough as Christians when it comes to sin and repentance. I don't think we talk about it enough. You know, and then, of course, we can flow into forgiveness um, is another element of that whole thing where um, it's really, really important for us to understand and to practice. So repentance is a practice. It's something we do. It's like, it's not a one-time event. It's a reoccurring event in our life. And so, you know, David prayed the prayer, Lord, search my heart in Psalms. See if there is any wicked way in me, he says. What's he saying? See if there's any sin in me that I am not seeing. And of course, we all have things. Why? Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there is actually nobody that hasn't sinned except for Jesus. Jesus was perfect, unblemished, imperfection. He never sinned in all the time he was on the planet. But for us, sin remains an issue in human life. There's always an opportunity to sin. But what I love about the reality is that of, of, of God is that he didn't, he didn't leave us at sin. He gave us repentance. He gave us an opportunity to confess our sin to him and to you know, basically say, Lord, I'm sorry for getting it wrong. So sin itself, um, come, the word sin come from uh, archery, right? So in ancient archery, they, what they would have is they'd have a target set up, they would sin, and the sin was the pit behind where, the, where if they missed the mark, it would fall into the sin, the sin pit. And so, so basically the idea that that sin is missing the mark, right? When you shoot the arrow, you miss the... The, the target and you miss the mark and it goes into the sin. So, so that's the idea behind sin. It's when we miss the mark with God. We miss His standard. But what we can be encouraged by is that God has provided grace, right? When Jesus came, grace and truth came with Him. So in relationship with Jesus, we find that there is freedom in His grace for us to, be, you know, to repent, and when we repent, God's forgiveness is released into our life and we live in a place of forgiveness of God. So sin doesn't, is not the end of the story. Sin, and it, every single one of us can find ourselves in a place where sin is evident in our life. And that's okay because we have a pathway forward with God to be able to repair the damage. And that's the beauty of repentance. So if you come with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. So the writer of Hebrews, there's lots of speculation who that is. Some say Paul, some say someone else. It's not quite that clear. Um, it's written very similar to how Paul writes in the other epistles, but 
um, but he doesn't actually name himself. So they're not quite sure. They haven't landed on who wrote it, but it doesn't matter. It's still good. And so in verse one, it says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and to be taken forward to maturity, right? So that's the goal of this Christian life is to grow. But he says, let's get beyond the elementary teachings, which means it's like the ABCs of Christianity, right? There are certain things that we need to learn when we first become a Christian that are the foundational pillars of our Christian growth. And so we, you know, while we're talking about formation and, 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 and foundations and all those sorts of things, it's really, really helpful to look at some things that the Bible here sort of indicates that are very early learnings for us as Christians, that do we have these things in place? Do we regularly repent of sin in our life? Is it something that we do? Or do we ignore it? Or do we make excuses for it? Or do we not acknowledge it? Or do we not even realise that that thing maybe that's going on is sin? But here we see, he says, we need to move beyond these elementary teachings and, uh, and not lay again the foundation of repentance from the acts of, uh, that lead to death and of faith in God and instruction about cleansing, right, which is baptism and a laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so, he says. So it's, it's saying there's three things we're going to cover because we've only got three weeks. We're going to cover repentance this week. Lou is going to cover faith in God next week. So she's up again. Who loves Lou? I love Lou's preaching. She's a champion. And, uh, and then the third week, we're going, to, we're going to cover baptism. And what we're going to do is actually look at baptism and what does it mean? Why do we do it? Do I understand it? Have I been baptised? And if we come out of that season, and there may be others that are not here today that haven't, and they want to, we're going to sort out a time where we can be baptised. But the reality of it is, is we need to understand these things. If I had more time, I would go into the laying on of hands. I would go into the resurrection of the dead. I would go into uh, the eternal judgment and all these things. Why? Because the Bible tells us that they're elementary teachings. They're things we should know and have in practice in our life. So... So uh, they're not things to be ashamed of or, or to turn away from. We should embrace the conversation around sin and repentance because it's actually a part of our Christian experience. We need to have this app happening in our life. So even Jesus, when he came, Jesus' first message coming out of the desert was repent for the kingdom of God is near. That was the first thing he chose to tell people when he had, a, had the platform that he had coming out of the desert of temptation. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. So he's, you know, he's making it pretty clear, isn't he, that repentance is the access point to the kingdom of God. That, that when we repent, we, we come in, we, we, the relationship, because sin separates us from God, it separates our relationship, it puts a, a gap between us and God. But when we repent, what that does is we draw near to him. So we come back close to Jesus and we have access because of that repentance. So repentance is powerful. So repentance is the key that unlocks our relationship with God. If sin comes, it's hard to pray. Who knows when that happens? We've done something. We know we've done something. It's really hard to come to God sometimes and admit that. It's easier to try and ignore it. It's easier just to try and push it aside, but it's so necessary that we come before God and accept 
that this thing that has happened is not right before him. And so, you know, I've met many, many people that struggle with this because it really can be challenging, especially if you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. Realising and acknowledging that there is sin in our life um, can be challenging. It can be difficult. Um, but no, no, there's no reason not to embrace that. So where to from here, eh? Come with me to Revelation. So we're just going to talk about repentance. We're going to talk about what does it mean? What does it look like? So we see here that um, John's writing this letter or Jesus is writing to the church. It's John seeing this. And he writes a church to the, uh, a letter to the church of Ephesus. And he says this in verse four, he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the first love you had at first or forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. So we see, here we see Jesus saying, you've forsaken your first love, right? How did they do that? Well, he told them the direction he gave them because of that was to repent. So my understanding would be that sin had filtered in to their life. Sin had filtered into the church, which had severed that relationship that they had with Jesus and caused them to fall out of relationship. And so Jesus came in, in, in this letter to the church and said, listen, the way you restore that first love is through repentance. It's to come to me and say you're sorry. Come to me and acknowledge that there is something not right and that it needs to change. And so his remedy was repent and do the things you did at the first, at the beginning, which was what? Relationship with Christ. What did they do before? Well, they followed Jesus. They built relationship with him and they engaged him in that way. So what does repentance look like? If sin separates us and repentance reconnects us, sin is a blockage, but repentance is a bridge. So sin creates a chasm that we can't get across, but when we repent, the bridge is built to reconnect. And so what does this repentance look like? I love the story of the prodigal son because I think it illustrates repentance really clearly. Um, We see the story in Luke 15 where he is run away. You know, obviously, God, give me my inheritance. I want to leave. Have we got that up? It says, when he came to his senses. So the background of this is that he came to his father and said, I want my inheritance, which was really unusual because the father wouldn't normally give the inheritance like that. But anyway, he chose, okay, I'll give it to you. The son took the inheritance and went off to a distant place. And it says that he wasted his money squandered it on, on, on wild living. Um, you know, uh, the other brother says that he wasted his money on prostitutes. And so all the worldly things that he could get his hands on, he ran out wasting his life and finds himself ending up in a pig pen, feeding pigs and lusting or wanting to eat the food he was feeding the pigs. So he's lusting after the pig slop of the world. He was, found himself in a place where his whole life had fallen apart because he had made a decision to separate himself from the father and go off and live his life how he wanted to. 
And that life didn't include the father's morals. It didn't include the father's, uh, the belief in the father. It didn't include anything. And then it says this, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I really love, there's so much in this, you could preach so many different sermons from this passage, but that one statement, I have sinned, is what saved him. I was reading um, this week in a, a book named Pete, Pete Gregg, right? He's the, uh, the founder of 24-7 Prayer over in, um, in uh, England. And uh, he, he's writing, he's written a book about prayer and he's, he wrote in the book, he said, I, you know, he was talking about confession of sin as part of your prayer, our prayer life. And he said, you know, I had a pastor come to me, a friend of his, who had, um, whose marriage was on the rocks. He'd lost his ministry. Everything was falling apart because he had cheated on his wife. He had made a decision to be with another woman. And he's come to Greg and he said, listen, I need help. I need prayer. I need all this stuff. And so Greg started to speak with him. And this guy started to give every reason he possibly could on why it happened. Well, you know, there's lots of pressure at church and things aren't working out the way I thought. My marriage is not great. I'm really not can engage with my wife. My kids are a problem. You know what? I had trauma in my life from my childhood, from my father. And, and Greg said he, he had this conversation. And by the end of the conversation, you know, he prayed with him, but he said, in the book, he said, the sad thing was not once in all of that conversation did this pastor acknowledge that he had sinned. He was trying to find excuses and reasons on why it happened, trying to blame other people and everything around him and every possible thought that he could find and excuse he could find on why he did what he did. But the one thing he didn't do was make a confession and an acknowledgement and an acceptance of the fact that he had sinned, which meant there was no repentance, which meant there was no freedom. There was no doorway for him to be restored. If he'd come and said, where is it? Put it back up. Father, I've sinned against you, against God. Who knows where that guy could be right now? You know, I've heard story after story of guys, pastors, leaders, Christians, from all different areas of the church that have had the same problem. They have not been able to accept and acknowledge that what has happened in their life is sin. And because of that, there's no repentance. Because once we first must acknowledge that we are fallen, so we're able to repent. I have sinned. So what does that look like? In 2 Corinthians 7, 10 to 11, can we bring that one up? It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? 
What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. But that go back to the godly sorrow. Sorrow is not bad if it's from God. A godly sorrow will lead us to repentance. A worldly sorrow will lead us to self-pity. It wasn't my fault. I couldn't help myself. Woe is me. Look at my world, it's falling apart. Everything's bad. Look at all those people are doing to me. That's worldly sorrow. This peak, Greg says, part of the problem with this pastor was that the very only reason why he was trying to sort this out was because he got caught. He got caught in the action. If he had acknowledged what was going on before he got caught by somebody else, maybe it would have been a different story. I had a very good friend, very similar situation, and he got caught out. And he was making up every reason why as well. But eventually he had to accept that he had sinned, that he had done the wrong thing. And it wasn't until he accepted that that his life was transformed. But this is something that undergirds our spiritual life. Living a life of repentance is so important to be able to acknowledge, identify, acknowledge, accept that that thing in our life is not right before God and must be dealt with. That is being a Christian. That is what this Christian life's all about. We continually come back to him and we, we, we allow the regret, even maybe the feeling of a bit of guilt that you've done something to drive us to Christ and to repent of that sin because re- repentance leads us, godly sorrow leads us to repentance and that leaves no regret, but it, but it leads us to salvation also. It's that conviction of sin. It's not condemnation, it's conviction. And conviction is very different to condemnation. But the Bible tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus but there is conviction of the Spirit and and the Holy Spirit will convict us. And this is why we spend time with God. We want to come close to God, but the closer we come to Christ, the more obvious it becomes of these things in our life that we need to sort out. The closer you come to light, the more you can see. Who's ever had those really, really like fluoro bright lights in the bathroom and you turn it on and you scream? because you didn't realise you had that many imperfections. Because in the other light, in the other room, you look like an angel. Everything looks beautiful. Because dark light is kinder to me than really bright light. It's the same with Jesus. The closer we come to him, the more blemishes we see in our own world. But the beauty of it is, is he's given us an ability to fix the problem. Because he goes, hey, just repent. Just repent. There's actually a problem 
in our spiritual formation if we can't acknowledge sin in our life and repent of it. Something's missing in the formation of our salvation that we must revisit. And what you'll find with the journey of formation when you're talking about spiritual formation and practices is it's a constant revisiting of what I think I knew or what I thought I was settled in or what I thought I was good at or what I thought was strong in God. We're continually coming back. God keeps leading us back to this place of reinvestigating the foundations because a building is only as good as its foundations. And if our foundations are not right, we can't build right. Things are not going to go well as we start building. So God, I just feel like God wants to keep bringing us back to these foundations. And today, it's about repentance. Next week, it'll be about faith in God. It'll be a lot nicer conversation. Or I'll be like, ah, finally, someone's given us some faith. But this is super important for us. It's something we need to revisit. We're living in a world that is so focused on whatever you want. You do you. It's okay. It's not sin. It's all right. We don't, we don't, we don't judge you. We're in a world that doesn't want to judge anybody. You're not allowed to judge anybody. No judgment. Don't criticise. Don't stand for anything. Accept everything. Nothing's a problem. That's the world we live in, right? If we just do that, we'll never offend anyone. The sad thing is, as Christians, as we do that, we lose our witness because we just don't want to offend. But sometimes people need to be offended by the gospel because it's the only way it's going to reach them. But the only way we'll stand out in the world is by being different to the world, which means repentance is a part of our life. It's something the world doesn't have. But we have it. And that's why we can live free because we're able to repent. So like that story with the, uh, the prodigal son, the father's response is just outstanding. The son comes back. He has this confession he's written in his mind. He's like, all right, I've got a speech I'm going to give my father. I'm going to tell him, father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be your child. Make me one of your hired hands and I'll be happy with that. It's not where I used to be positioned, but... I'll be happy just to be in the father's environment. You know, probably not living in the house, I'll probably be in the servants' quarters, but it's so much better than where I was. So, so he was going to settle for something so much less than what the father had for him. And I love that the father, he comes to the father, he starts, Father, I've sinned against you. And the father, it's like he doesn't even, he doesn't even bat an eye. He doesn't even really even address it. Because repentance isn't about God, it's about us, right? So the father's like, I loved you when you're in the pig pen. And I love you just as much now as you're not. And, 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 and it says the father was just waiting. He was watching and waiting for the son to return. So he always knew the son was going to come back because every day he would go out and look out and, and wait for the son to come. Every day, waiting, 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 knowing deep in his heart that the son was going to come back, that relationship would be restored. It just took a moment in the son's life to come to his senses, to have a realisation that the reason his life was the way it is is because there was sin in his life that needed to be dealt with. 
And it was the one statement, I have sinned, was all that took place that changed the son's life and restored him back into full relationship. He didn't get, he didn't, he didn't become a servant. He actually was repositioned right next to the angry brother that had a problem. What, so, so what happened is the father split the inheritance, right? The, the older brother lost half his inheritance in the beginning. The, son, the younger son goes out and wastes that money, loses all of it, comes back with nothing, gets restored back to the rights of a son, which means the father halved the older brother's inheritance again so that he could have his part of the estate. Now we understand why the older son's so ticked off, right? But yet the father's heart was exactly the same for the older son as it was for the younger. He was just waiting. So the, old, the younger son left the house. The, old, the younger son left the house. The older son was in the house of God, in the house of the father. And yet there was still sin there. But he never realised that sin. He didn't see fault in his own life. This is not my fault, Father. This is your fault. You never give me anything, he says. I never got a lamb, a goat or nothing. And here's this son that comes back and you kill the fattened calf. You put a robe on him, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. You restore him back to his rightful place. How is that fair? So the son had a bitterness and offence in his heart towards his father that he never, ever repaired. Anyway, can I have the music tinked up? The music has come up. There's a bit of a different, different kind of message today. But something that's so important, so pivotal, and such a major part of our life as Christians that sometimes what we're going through, what we're struggling with, the reason we can't find the freedom is because of this very thing. That sometimes there's sin or there's something in our life. Sometimes we can't even see it. We don't realise it's there. It's something we've done and we've forgotten about or it's something that we don't see as sin. We just see it as something in life or whatever. But often the freedom comes when we acknowledge that that thing in our life is not right with God and we're able to come to Him. And I love that God gives us that, that ability to come to Him. We don't come to God and there's like condemnation. We just come to Him and there's acceptance, there's love, there's forgiveness. And that's what the church is about, love, acceptance and forgiveness. But we don't want to end up being Christians that never repent of anything. Because what happens every time something happens and we don't walk down that spiritual principle of repentance in our life and walk it out, we come one step further away from God. And before you know it, you're right over here and Jesus is right over there. Um, the only way back is to repent and to deal with sin. So Father, we just thank you today. We thank you you have provided a way for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to repent. May the word repentance, Lord, become dear to our hearts. 
If it makes us cringe, that means there's an opportunity for grace. But Lord, it would become a word we're comfortable with using and a practice that we are comfortable in using. That Lord, you would bring that godly sorrow and lead us to repentance. So Father, I pray right now in this room as every one of us are here with our eyes closed, that Lord, we would have a moment with you right now. And we'd pray that prayer just like David prayed. Lord, search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way within me. Lead me on the path of everlasting. Show us, Lord, if there's anything on the inside of us, anything that's there that we have forgotten about or we haven't recognised or we're ignoring or we've made excuses for. Show us, Lord, and help us to repent. Help us, Lord, to come to that place where freedom lives. How about we, why don't we stand? Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. And let's practice repentance today. I think so. Because this is between you and God. It's not between you and me. It's not between you and the person next to you. But let's take a moment where we just close our eyes and we focus on Jesus. And we have that conversation. Lord, search my heart. Pray it. Pray it to him. Search my heart, Lord. What's in there, Lord, that shouldn't be there? What is it that's separating? You know, I often will pray to God, Lord, if there are any blockages, if there's anything separating you and me, anything that I've placed between us, help me to see it. But Lord, even if I can't see it, I repent of it anyway. Because Lord, I don't want to leave it undone. I don't want to leave it unsaid that I repent of those things that are causing separation in my relationship with you. I I will say to God, Lord, I put them there. You didn't. I'm the one that put them there. So I must be the one that comes to you and repents and says, sorry. And it could be anything. But have that moment with God right now and say, Lord, I repent. You might want to come out on the altar. You can come out on the altar. But it's between you and God. I'm not asking you to tell me it, what's going on or whatever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Say, I actually need to come back to Jesus. Well, that's really easy to take care of. Really simple, actually. It's just a prayer. It's just a moment, a confession before him saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the sin and things that have separated us, but Lord, I'm asking you to come back into my heart. I'm asking you to come back into the relationship, draw him closer again. I give my life to you, Lord. Again, I reconsecrate myself. I come to you with open arms. I ask you to come in and fill my life. 
just say, you know, that prayer right now with Him. Lord, I need You. Lord, we thank You for Your conviction. Holy Spirit, we thank You for the conviction that You bring. Because with that conviction comes freedom through repentance. So Lord, we thank You today. And I pray, Father, as we leave this place, as we go about our week this week, that, Father, You would help us to be aware. Maybe when something does come out of our mouth or the opportunity to do something that we shouldn't do, Father, we would just stop for a moment and and see it and pull back. When temptation rears its head, Lord, that we would see it and pull back before we fall into it. But Lord, even if we do fall into it, I thank you that you've provided us with grace and an opportunity to come back to you through repentance. So Lord, we pray right now and thank you. We thank you for the gift of repentance, Lord. And Father, we thank you for this foundational truth, which is so important. We pray in Jesus' name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.